Welcome to the Vine Podcast. This is Warren. And once again, I'm joined by Rachel and Jason. Hello, Rachel. Hey, Warren. Good morning. Good morning. Hello, Jason. Hey, good morning. It's a great day. It is a great day. And so we're going to, we're going to have uh, a conversation that I'm looking forward to today. I think it's going to be fun and it'll be a little different from, from our other episodes. As I told Rachel and Jason, I think this is the most podcasty of podcast episodes that we have done. And so we're going to do a draft today. And we are drafting people from Scripture, people from the Bible that we want to share a meal with. And so that's, that's, our, that's our plan for today. That's what we're going to do. Have a little fun with it. I'm looking forward to it. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how this goes. Uh, and so the, the idea is that basically we're just thinking about people from Scripture that we want to share a meal with, that we want to have a conversation with. And so we're each going to be drafting five individuals from Scripture that, that are going to kind of be part of a, a, a roster, I guess you could say, of people that, that we would theoretically get to share a, a lunch or a meal with. Uh, so Jason and Rachel, how are y'all feeling about this? You ready to go? I'm ready. I'm excited. I got I got a, uh, some picks uh, for my my dinner party team, my biblical dinner party team, and I'm I'm ready to see who I can draft on my team. Yeah, this is exciting. I'm I'm ready. I've got my draft board here, ready to go, and uh, yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll see how this goes. I'm curious to see our different strategies and and how we go about choosing names and, and all that. So this will be fun. Um, and so just to kind of go over a couple of things to begin, of course, this is a draft. So that means once, once a name is chosen, no one else can choose it. So that adds a little intrigue to it and also helps us to, to cover some more names so we don't all end up with you know three or four of the same names on our lists. <laughs> um, and we are also assuming uh, we're, this is the non-Jesus category. We're, we're taking Jesus off the board, I know, because I think we would all trade all five of our draft picks for, you know, a meal with Jesus. So we're just going to, <laughs> we're going to assume that. Well, he's the universal number he's one draft pick. He's the universal number one so, draft pick. So, so we're, we're. Right. That, that's just an unfair advantage to whichever team that's right. gets that. Yeah. One, if your team ends pick. up with Jesus, that is, that's the, un, that's an unfair advantage. Um, mm-hmm. You remember when we played like football outside in the yard as kids, we'd do have like an all-time quarterback you know like the the best quarterback yeah. just be all-time quarterback that that would be jesus <laughs> usually the the tall preteen that was probably too old to be playing with us but we wanted to play with right. him anyway because yeah. he was so good yeah or the most arrogant one of those two <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true or the one who didn't want to run much so they just wanted to throw yeah. the ball okay so all that said we're going to get right into this. And so we had a little discussion of how we were going to decide draft order. So we're going to draw names right here on the podcast to see who gets the coveted first pick in the draft. This is a big deal. Because um, I know who my first pick would be. If someone else picks my first pick, I don't know who my second choice is. That's when strategy begins to get into it. So what What kind of a draft strategy do you have? Because I have all of mine ranked, and I have even though we're only picking five each, I have eleven that that I've put ranked on my list. No, but like so if, if one of you picks somebody higher up, I'll just strategy go to the next though because I've got like I've got kind of like groups and like I, I don't mm, like yeah, 
you know, some are unique and, and then some are, you know, I just kind of want one person from this yeah. group. And so, so I'm going to wait longer. Mm. I don't, I don't need to be telling yeah. about my strategy. Man, what am I doing? That's a risky, risky <laughs> okay. move, man. Risky move. Let's see how it works out. <laughs> Thanks, Jason Bateman's character from Dodgeball. He's intimidating <laughs> you. Okay. I, I draw. I want to know who goes first. All right. All right. The first name. Here it is. It is Rachel. I knew it. <laughs> Rachel okay. gets the first pick. All right. Second pick is Jason. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, I can't even third. be a, accused of rigging this at all. Because mm. uh, I am last. Okay. Oh, is okay. last. <clears throat> All, right. All right. So what we're gonna do? We each person will make their pick, and then we'll, we'll kind of discuss for for a little bit or whatever. We'll see how this goes. So we'll just go through it. Rachel, you're up. You are on the clock with the first pick in the draft. My number one draft pick for a meal with biblical people is Eve. And ah, see, that was my pick. For that real? was the first one. <laughs> Okay, so I would want to have a meal with Eve because I think she's foundational to understanding the whole biblical story. And I would want to ask her, what was it like to exist before sin? What was your relationship with God like? And how was it affected after sin? And how did that happen? Like, how did you make that decision? And basically, I would want to hear her side of the story because there's lots of debates about like whose fault was it really, Adam or Eve. So I want to hear how Eve would talk about it. But then I feel like she would have a redemptive uh, end to the story, too, and talk about how God made them the clothes and all of that. So sorry, Warren. It's okay. It's okay. I'm I'm really surprised that that was your first thing. You know, I... I uh, I should have thought of Eve. Eve is not on my list, but in retrospect, definitely should have been. Um, I have some some picks from very early in the book of Genesis, but for some reason, Eve did not come to mind, and and that I sh- that should have. That was a good pick. It was a good pick. Good use of the number one overall pick. That's right. <laughs> I also want to ask her why did she listen to a snake about fruit? Uh, mm. That's what kind of fruit was it? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you know, I even thought too that because I think if you want to kind of really extrapolate this conversation out, I think you would have some who may say, well, we don't really, you know, mm-hmm. there's, you know, thoughts that Eve is kind of an amalgamation of different people or it's more sure uh, metaphor. But even then, like if so, if I pick Eve and and, and I'm told it. actually she's a she's not an actual person, it's this, then that's great information, and I'm yeah. glad I used my pick on that too. So. Mm-hmm. Well, and there, there are other all those there are other people in the Bible for whom, you know, uh, it, is it allegory? Is it metaphor? Yeah, right. Is it literal person? But that doesn't take away from the fact that, regardless, they'd be interesting to to sit down and have a meal with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. And that may be getting a little far out there for some people, but but <laughs> I was just saying that's that's where the reach is because that is a it's at least a thought. But yeah. but yeah, I think Eve would be a great one to. Yeah, uh, to sit down and and share a meal with. All right, so I'm assuming we're all keeping track of our own lists. Yes, um, I'm, I'm keeping track of everybody's lists actually. Okay, I, I'm making I'm making a list of the lists. Oh, all right. nice. Okay, I'm marking good. them off of my draft board here, but yeah. um, that's good. All right, <laughs> okay. The number two overall pick in the number first two round of overall the pick. draft. So um, you will you you will notice that. Um, not all of mine, but most of the, since we're having a meal with these people, 
most of them in some way may relate to food. Um, and I'll, this is more apparent in some of my later picks, but my number one pick is Peter. Mm. And Peter is my number one pick for a number of reasons. Uh, for one, it's helpful that he was, um, uh, that he was, you know, knew Jesus Christ. And if we can't draft Jesus, I want to draft somebody who met him, spoke with him, mm. walked the earth with him. Yeah. And, uh, and Peter fits that. Also, Peter was a, a, a fisherman, and so uh, he could he could get some fish for me. And uh, <laughs> and in Acts, he has all of this food revealed to him that says all of this is clean to eat. Mm -hmm. And so I want you know I want I want somebody who has uh, uh, lived a life of of food restrictions, and then all of a sudden mm. had the world open up to them. And something makes me think that Peter may have been a foodie. <laughs> and so he's going to have some good food in mind. Um, but mostly it's because uh, he, you know, walked to the earth with Jesus. He spoke with Jesus, even though he, you know, in the Gospels, he greatly misunderstands Jesus. You really get a sense that he, um, as much if not more than any of the other disciples, um, just had a passion for the mission of Christ. And I think you see that played out um even more so in the book of Acts and uh, in his in his epistles uh, that he writes. Um, Peter's just a fascinating uh, person in the Bible. So Peter's my number one pick. Awesome. Very good. Good pick. Judging by Peter's uh, actions in the Gospels as well, Peter would probably be one who would be most willing to talk, mm -hmm. right? And if you want the real yeah. inside scoop, Peter's Peter's the one to have at the dinner party. Yeah, yeah. Peter Peter is not going to be the one just silently, you know, uh, not engaging mm -hmm. in conversation or anything like that. He's going to be engaging with you for sure. Yeah, and he's not going to hedge his bets on, on right. well, you know, I don't know. He's gonna, yeah, he's going to tell gonna you like it is, out there. or at least how yeah. he sees it. All right, I like that one. All right, Warren, what's your first pick? Uh, okay. My number one pick, I've, I've, I've got several names here, but I'm going to have to go with Mary, Jesus's mother. Because sort of as Jason said, if I, if I can't pick Jesus, then I'm going to pick his mom. And so many questions just about, I mean, all the way from, you know, conception of Jesus to what's going through her mind at that point, what it was like having him as a kid. Um, you know, I think Mary more than anyone else in history feels the grief of, of the cross, I would have to imagine. Um, and just, I would, I would want to know how she processed that, um, what her faith was like. To have faith in your son as the Messiah seems like a weird journey to have to, to go through. Mm. Uh, what it was like with, with his other siblings then. So many questions that, that I would have for Mary that... that um, I think would be interesting to ponder mm. with her. That's good. Yeah, I had Mary on my list. Um, I thought about putting her at number one, as you did, uh, or you know, that, up that high. But, um, but yeah, I, I think that there, I, and I think the church history reveals this: that other than Jesus, probably no one is more um, fascinating in the Bible in many ways than Mary. Um, just because of the life that that she was chosen to live and the 
um, the role and the responsibility that she was given, um, you know, that, that's just a very, um, it, uh, unique is, is an understatement really. And I, I agree. That's a good pick. All right. Well, we're speeding right through this thing to round two. So Rachel, I assume we're not doing snake draft like fantasy football or something. So we'll go back to Rachel. No, 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 <laughs> no, nothing like that. That would mean you'd get two picks in I a know, row. I wasn't, yeah, I'm not suggesting it. So <laughs> Rachel, kick us off for round two. Okay, my second round pick is Hagar, the servant of Sarah and Abraham. So, All right, you took one of mine. For really? You took one that's of mine. so interesting yep. that you had that too. That's that. That's now off my list. Okay, so um, I would want to ask her about the name that she gave the Lord, the God who sees me, and ask what significance that name holds for her and why she chose that name. Um, and so I would ask her, do you still refer to God and by that name? So what does your relationship with God look like now? And then I would want to ask her, how do you see the generation that came from your line through Ishmael and all the history um, that happened from there? How do you see that from your perspective? And do you feel like God is favoring you also or just mm. the line of Isaac? Good questions. That's fascinating. Yeah, I, th- that's not the line of questioning I probably would have had, but uh, I think those are good questions for sure. What was what was your line of questioning? Well, so so Rachel's seems to focus on just everything that's happened after the after Hagar's story. You know, what's her perspective on kind of how things have turned out? Mine would be more along the lines of, um, you know, she she's the servant and and she's but yet she's given this very prominent role in the story and very prominent role in uh in the family really and what was it like to be someone in servitude and someone um with a lesser than status but given a, a responsibility that i would think at least in my way of thinking uh would would create uh, a site a certain st- level of status that that seems like a juxtaposition that would be difficult to to reconcile and difficult to um to to really be able to face so just kind of what life was like for her in her day also i think the the story of abraham abram and sarah abraham and sarah uh, is is just really interesting in terms of how it, um, I don't know, just evolves and how it's told in, in Genesis. It's unlike a lot of other stories in many ways. And I would like to get kind of a firsthand perspective, but also she's a bit of an outsider, you know, relative to Abraham and Sarah's relationship. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I was curious about that, Rachel. Did you... Uh... Was there a debate between Sarai or Sarah and Hagar nope. or just it was you're, you're just interested in Hagar? No debate at all. The, the key thing I wanted from Hagar was to learn about her experience at the well and when she encountered God and when she gave God the name, the God who sees me. So I wanted to hear more from Hagar about that name and what, what its significance it holds to her. So there was no debate. Sarah wasn't involved in that. That's good. I, I like that choice. 
And uh, not that there are any wrong answers here. We keep saying we like these choices <laughs> because they're, they're obviously interesting people to, uh, <laughs> to eat with. But I, lo- I also I love the question that the angel asks Hagar in that story of where... Where are you going? Where have you... Yeah, where have you come yeah. from and, and where are you going? Um, yeah, great, great imagery. All right. So Hagar kicks us off for round two. Jason... All right, so my number two pick uh, is somebody that when when I was constructing this list um, was one of the first people that came to mind. Again, it I have to admit, at least in part, actually with this one mostly relates back to food, um, and that is Martha. <laughs> I was wondering um, if that's what you were thinking when you said that the first time. <laughs> yeah, uh, because I mean Martha can make can make, cook a meal she can throw a banquet mm. obviously um she also has a love of christ um a love of jesus and you know she uh uh you know she's in the book having a merry heart in a martha world i mean mm. what's you know we, we we kind of study a lot of that story and i think martha often gets the short shrift um in terms of her devotion and dedication to Jesus. And I understand, I understand the point, you know, um, you know, slow down and, and really, uh, engage with, with Christ rather than always feeling like you have to work, work, work. Um, but you know what, some work can be helpful too. Um, and so I think that, that her dedication and the way in which she went about it, um, is, is not often as, uh, uh, recognized and 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 honored perhaps in the way that it should be mm-hmm. and uh i'd like to t- kind of talk to her about that and i have no doubt she'll make a great meal <laughs> <laughs> it's it's interesting to see what even just i think that the personality that we read of these people how that informs our decisions and the ways that our own personalities i think can kind of be seen in that that's interesting yeah but it's also interesting to me that so far so many of the people that we have chosen there's an element of struggle or like they're misunderstood or, or we want to get their side of the story. Hmm. That's, I think my list will probably continue that theme. That's interesting. Um, all right. Well, Martha. Yeah. I like that pick too. That's a good one. Lots of good people in the Bible to share a meal with. All right. Well, who do you got? Oh man. See, this is where I've got so many different directions that I could go here. Uh, but I think I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go with Jonah. Oh. Jonah is my pick. Um, I've just got so many questions for Jonah, similar to Eve. So in... if if you have dinner with Jonah, are y'all eating seafood? <laughs> <laughs> Sushi. Yes. <laughs> he probably what? would never eat yeah. fish in, in his life after living yeah. inside of a fish. Yeah. See if you can see. I feel like this is the other. Obviously, you know, bringing any of these people to a meal today would would uh, obviously they they'd have a lot of questions too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but you, I feel like if you had seafood, you could ask Jonah. Jonah, do you prefer whale or fish? And he wouldn't get the joke no. of the uh, the theoro- theoretical uh, theological differences between whether it was a whale or fish. But um, but yeah, so many questions for Jonah about what that experience was like. Was that experience? real or metaphorical, all those kinds of things. But just questions about who, you know, there's questions about who wrote Jonah that a lot of people think Jonah wrote it, which is fascinating to me because he doesn't present himself then in the best of light for really all of the book. 
And and the book of Jonah to me ends with like the biggest cliffhanger right. in, in scripture. Unless you go with like the original ending of Mark, right, which mm. is kind of ends. But as we have it, um it just ends. And we don't we don't know what happened to Jonah. Did he uh did he kind of see the light and, and turn things around and, and that's why he ends up writing this kind of narrative of his life or or at least this one specific story and uh, yeah, what is Jonah it? Pres- I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but the, but the last verse is literally a cliffhanger. It's like either God's upset or Jonah's upset, but somebody somebody's not happy at the end of Jonah, and you're like, like, well, yeah. there's more to this story. Where is it? Yeah, they're upset. I can't remember exactly what, but but yeah, basically God's just like, hey, look, don't I have a you know don't I have a right to care about all these people, right? You know, and all these animals, right? Um, and and then we don't have Jonah's response. And I think it invites us to respond, you know, for ourselves. But I think Jonah, to me, presents himself again, or whoever wrote, writes that narrative. Jonah is presented as someone who fully understands who God is from a cerebral standpoint, but that has not transferred to his heart. Mm. Like, as he said, God, I knew this is what you do because yeah. I knew you're loving, compassionate, slow to anger, da 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 Like, I knew all these things about you, and that's why I didn't want to come. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so I would just, yeah, I'd be very interested to have a conversation with him about, about all of that. And when, when mm-hmm. we talk about that story, we often gloss over the fact that it, Jonah did not, you know, it's like, I knew you would be slow to anger. We see it as, well, God forgave the Ninevites and, uh, and exonerated them. And we forget, we neglect the fact that Jonah isn't happy about that. And at no point in the story right. does Jonah say, Oh yes, I see the wisdom of your ways, God. Uh, right. the, that doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. It just ends with, yeah. God saying, um, shouldn't I care about all these people and also so many animals. That's the, mm-hmm. la- the last question. line of the book. Is, it's literally a and question. Also many animals. Yeah. It ends yeah. with the question. Yeah. All right. So that's round two. Rachel, kick us off for round three. Okay. Round three. Um, okay, my number three pick is Priscilla from the New Testament. Mm. (laughs) She was on my list. Yeah, Jonah was also on my list. Um, So Priscilla, I would want to know how women were treated and perceived in the early church Mm -hmm. and what it was like to be a leader in the early church. And was it hard to confront Apollos when he had insufficient teaching and to correct him? Um, how was her kind of teaching a correction of a male teacher received? And then what was Paul like as a person? Not like in his mm. theology and stuff, but like in his actual like personality and character. What was Paul like? Yeah, that's a that's good, good one. I think uh, there are a lot, of, uh, a lot of the women written about in the New Testament as being leaders of the church. Priscilla is definitely one of those. Um, that that occurred to me to be put on the list as well um she she didn't make my short list for whatever reason i'm not <laughs> sure maybe it was because it was late at night when i was making this list and i just forgot but uh but it, she was one that i definitely thought about and there's there is a lot of questions and a lot of discussion that i'm sure could be had with um a prominent female leader of the church mm-hmm. uh you know in its in its early years for sure the, and one of the interesting things to me about Priscilla is that, you know, when 
when Luke first mentions them, he refers to them as Aquila and Priscilla. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But most times after that, I think every time after that in Acts at least, they're referred to as Priscilla and Aquila. Mm. That Priscilla's name is mentioned first, which would have been very out of the ordinary in that time to mention the wife's name first. Yeah, And so it does seem that um, in their ministry role, uh, a lot of people have theorized that that because of that, in, in their ministry role as a couple, she was really kind of the one taking the lead in, in some of the teaching and and ministering and all of that. So, yeah, definitely an interesting one to talk to. So then I would also want to know, what was it like ministering alongside your husband? It's kind of like being co-pastors. Yeah, yeah that's good. <laughs> and did you have kids? And like, how did that work? You know, there's a lot of details we could get into. Lots of, yeah, lots of stories from Acts to get into for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that she would have been right right in the middle of. Mm-hmm. That's good. All right, Jason. Okay. Your pick for round three. <clears throat> yeah, so for round three, I'm going, I'm going a little bit of a, in a, well, in a quite a bit of a different direction for, in a couple of ways. Um, one, this is a pick, uh, this is an individual who is not very, um, I think well known aside from the fact that his name is the name of a book. Um, and also I don't think many people would find this meal all that, uh, pleasant to, to sit through, um, just because he doesn't really come off as a very pleasant guy. And that is Hosea. Um, mm. so I wanted to pick at least one of the minor prophets just because I think, uh, the minor prophets don't get a lot of attention other than Jonah. Um, I, I think Jonah is probably the only minor prophet that gets any kind of, uh, attention in, um, you know, kind of modern church conversations. And Hosea has always been one that I found, uh, very interesting. He, uh, was a prophet for, uh, for Israel during a pretty dark period in their past, as a lot of the minor prophets were. And, um, his, his story is basically told as, um, uh, his, his life specifically, his marriage is kind of an allegory for God and Israel. And he has an unfaithful wife who, uh, sins against him and sins against their marriage and just, uh, constantly causes Hosea so much strife and, and turmoil and that's what Hosea talks about as being, you know, as Israel is with God. Um, and it's, um, and it, it, you read through the book of Hosea and it's very dire and depressing for much of it, but then it ends with redemption. Um, so the, the, the last book of, of Hosea, uh, Hosea chapter 14, uh, says, um, Return Israel to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Um, Who is wise? Let them realize these things. Who is discerning? Let them understand. The ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. And and throughout that last chapter, Hosea is, is calling Israel to redemption. It's the story of regardless of how unfaithful you've been, regardless of how um, how much you have betrayed the Lord, your God, the Lord, your God is, is willing and eager to welcome you back and to, uh, to bring you back into the fold. And, 
Um, I think that's a very interesting perspective. As most minor prophets, I kind of assume most minor prophets may not have, you know, been all that into food and eating. They seem like the kind of people who would fast regularly for various reasons. And so maybe it wouldn't have be a great meal, but, uh, but maybe I've always been interested. Yeah, I, I guess maybe that would be my <laughs> fasting day and make up for the, um, uh, for the gluttonous uh, food we would have on other days. So um, so anyway, Hosea is my number three pick. Well played. I like it. Very good. All right, my number three pick. I've been looking at my names here, and I'm just going to try not to overthink this one. So I'm just going to go with Paul. Mm. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sort of surprised he's, he's lasted this long. But, <laughs> but man, so much of our theology comes from his writings so much of our controversies controversies come from his writings so many of the different theories that we have about grace about Mm. the church about atonement about all of those things come from paul's writings uh that i would i would i would love to ask him questions about his personal life and his personal story but also to say like okay paul like you wrote this here's what some people in modern context have taken that to mean um like, what, what do you think about that? And a lot of his answers, I think he would probably say, like, I don't even know what you're talking about because it's a <laughs> modern context. Uh, but I would like to know just what he saw, how much um, he considered himself just to be writing to individual circumstances, which I think is, is a lot of, you know, kind of my approach to his letters, that these are specific letters to specific people in a specific time. And, mm-hmm. um, and just to get his perspective on all that would would certainly be helpful in going about thinking about scripture, I think. You know, I had the same thought. In fact, when I first started making this list, Paul was number one on my list. Mm -hmm. He's still on my list. Well, not anymore because you took him, but uh, I, he eventually fell down to the very bottom of my list. And mostly, I, I mean, the reason why he was there to begin with was all the reasons you said, but the reason why I, um, I decided to drop him down to the bottom was because Paul frustrates me so much in many ways. And <laughs> but you can ask him those questions. Well, no, no, no. It, I, I think I would just be too irritated to ask him those questions. Um, there, the, and, and also he just feels so stubborn and it's just, I don't know, you know, for all that Paul has done for Christianity and the way in which he has helped in many ways, in, in very good ways, informed our theology um i uh, he he just doesn't feel like and maybe and i know i'm reading too much into it but he doesn't feel like the kind of person that i actually want to spend you know a a, a decent amount of time with and maybe that's uh me being too overly um you know some making too many assumptions but that's just kind of my my take so paul fell down mainly because i just didn't feel like that would be a very enjoyable dinner for me, but there's there's this great line. I'm not going to spend time looking it up right now, but there's this great part in Second Corinthians where Paul basically calls out some criticism of himself and says, you know, hey, yes, some people basically say I'm uh, I'm bold in my letters, but not in person, mm. and um, which I think is a is a fascinating aspect of things that yeah so some people seem to have that perspective of Paul that yeah like like, hey in his letters he'll say anything to you and he'll get in your face but but in person he's not that great of a speaker is what I think is what he says it's a lot of what he writes in second corinthians that really makes me go I I don't want I don't want to go there I just don't want to go there (laughs) well it would 
it would certainly help me from a preaching perspective. Oh, so absolutely. that's in my mind as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, so that's my third pick. All right, round four. Kick us off, Rachel. <sighs> okay, I've been debating, but I think I'm going to go with Moses. Mm. So Moses is probably one of my favorite people in the Bible. Um, I would want to learn from him, from his humility, from his leadership. And then one of the this kind of stinging questions I have for Moses is, was it just in your perspective for God not to let you enter the promised land after your faithfulness to him and your obedience, uh, your careful following of his instructions at nearly every point, and then to kind of screw up one moment and then not be able to go into the promised land. So I would want to hear Moses' perspective on that, but also just all the stories, like what was it like crossing the Red Sea and being parted and uh, standing up to Pharaoh and like you're sort of still related to them. So it's like going to a brother and saying like, hey, I'm more powerful than you. So mm. I just feel like there's a lot of uh, stories that Moses could tell and that he could expand on. And then also like, what was it like trying to teach the Israelites the law and how to live under it for a time? Um, and how do you feel that like Christians mostly don't even acknowledge it anymore? <laughs> the thing that was like the foundation of your life, the you thing know, you spend what, your life doing. Yeah, <laughs> you spend your life like writing these things down and teaching it to people. And then like mo- mostly we don't even look at it too mm. much anymore. So Yeah, I've always thought that Moses... Um, there's a lot of Moses's story that I think would be fascinating, just that simply isn't in the Bible, you know, just kind of reading between the lines and you see there's, there's more story here than is necessarily written. Um, I, that's probably true of most people in the Bible, but Moses, especially for me, it just kind of comes out. I've always thought, you know, making, you know, really good popular TV shows and movies about biblical characters is always challenging and and Mm. wrought with difficulty. But I think if anybody was going to make like a big epic, like Game of Thrones style serial drama, the life of Moses, I think would be a good one for that. There is. Yeah, for sure. There's a drama that was played that played in Kenya on TV and people are like hooked to it. For real? About Moses? Yeah. Oh and it wow! Was, it was pretty good too. Yeah. Huh. Well, there you go. I some somebody mm-hmm. already had that idea, I guess. <laughs> but they added a whole lot. They filled in well, those sure. gaps. They added characters. They filled in the gaps. Right. Yeah. yeah that's what I mean. Yeah, I assume. I assume yeah. that that they would that they would do that as you know they do that with any kind of adaptation. You know, if you yeah uh, you're, you're gonna fill in a lot of gaps, and I'm I'm okay with that. It's fictionalized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Jason, round your round four okay, pick. Okay, my round four pick. Um, so I debated uh, exactly who to put in this place because um, the book of Esther is really interesting. And so mm. I, de- I debated, do I want to have a meal with Esther or do I want to have a meal with Mordecai? And I eventually settled on Esther because, um, for one thing, I I think a lot of the women in the Bible... I. I they hold a very unique perspective. So, you know, I already have Martha on my list. You know, Mary, the mother of Jesus, obviously has a unique perspective. Um, Eve, uh, who Rachel was was the first overall pick, I think has a very unique perspective. And Esther, I think, fills that role. You know, she 
uh, comes. She's a she's a Jew, but she rises to um, to prominence in a foreign, you know, kingdom. And uh, well, and for one thing, because she's a queen, uh, you know, the meal again. Going back to the food, I'm sure it'd be fantastic food, amazing Persian <laughs> Babylonian food, you know. Um, and so, so I'm sure that would be a great meal that uh, that that the the uh, the palace I'm sure would serve. Um, but also, just kind of the way <laughs> that she went about, she was very diplomatic. You know, she was mm-hmm. the consummate diplomat of her time, and I think in in today's society where uh, diplomacy is uh, is kind of fallen out of favor. And it's kind of just the way that people get what they want is they just strong hand it and uh, just force their will upon others. Esther was much more shrewd and much more um, deliberate and thoughtful and uh, considered the perspective of other people, even the perspective of people that may have disagreed with her and recognized, okay, I can't just, you know, strong arm my way through this. I have to be... Uh, very careful and I have to be respectful of the people who disagree with me because, you know, I'm not going to win their favor by being rude and by being uh, stubborn and forceful with them. And I think that that's a a strategy for kind of uh, winning friends and influencing enemies that uh, we don't really follow as much as we should anymore. Yeah, that's good. And I think we also, in a modern context... Um, just lose how difficult that would have been for Esther to do yeah. and the incredible risk that she is taking. Because it, you know, it spells it out in the story, but it's, it's hard for us to feel that, I'm sure, in the same way that Esther is, is feeling what it's like to, to go before the king right. as a woman at that time. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and we think, well, she, if she's the queen, she has it made. Well, I think the story makes it very clear that, you know, she, that she could be killed uh, at any moment, that just being the queen did not, was not the kind of protection that we might assume it is. Mm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. All right. Uh, so I'll close out round four with again. Yeah. So lots of debates here on on our our uh, front <laughs> office here at at Warren headquarters. I'm gonna go though. I'm going with Judas. Oh my goodness. Um. <laughs> I that's a great great pick and I am ashamed of myself for not thinking of it uh, it's not on my list and it should have been that's a great pick for several reasons that we've stated with other people um, but you know man just how did Judas experience Jesus's ministry when did he make this decision that he was going to go rogue mm-hmm. um, and and he seems to obviously regret it and and so what was that moment like and and what did he feel in that moment and um just man the the turmoil that his life obviously ends with yeah would mm-hmm. you could you could spend hours just on the last day of his life and 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 not not cover everything so um yeah i thought he would certainly be an interesting one to to sit down with for a conversation wow wow <laughs> That's rough. Yeah, it would it would be a darker conversation. Jason's party's all fun, right? He's got a party <laughs> in the palace and yeah. Martha's cooking and <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Actually, Martha Jason's. might be able to take a meal off if Esther's servants are doing all the cooking. That's right. Wow. <laughs> all right. Well, we're uh, let, let's get to round five because we may need to do a little wrap up at the end. Okay. So we may need to go a little faster through round five, but. Oh, Rachel no. gets going with round five. You want it faster, and this is the hardest decision because it means I, I don't it. get any more yeah, after this. Yeah. Well, maybe after round five, maybe we can just rattle off quickly some other okay. names we didn't get to. Yeah, that will be one. a relief. So my last choice that was not on my list, and I decided to add now, is the Apostle John. Ah, so you got mine. I, would, <laughs> I got yours. Sorry. Um, I would want to know his his like big theme is love, and so I would want to ask him, what does that look like day to day? Like, how do you actually practically love people in the way that you mean? Um, and why did you call yourself the apostle that Jesus loved? Like, did he not love the other ones, or is this just the identity that you have yourself? So, and what was it like? walking with Jesus and hearing him teach. So, yeah, John. That's that's a good one. That was one very high on my list. Um, mm-hmm. The Gospel of John is is my favorite gospel of the four. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think um, the book of Revelation is incredibly misunderstood. and uh, But it's fascinating just in... Uh, just what it's describing and how it's describing the persecution of early Christians. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of reasons why eating a meal with John the Apostle would be fascinating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Also, living on Patmos, he probably gets some like good calamari. You considered the food for all of these, and I did not I did. think about actually. I did the not food think about the food at having, all. So yeah, when, when Warren suggested this, Jason he specifically said somebody we would have dinner with. So yeah, of course I'm going to consider the food. I was only That's thinking great. about the conversation <laughs> aspect. I wasn't thinking about yeah, like going back I in time too. and eating with them. <laughs> I was thinking they're coming to me. Oh, right so I see. I was like, yeah. we're going to go out to Olive Garden or something. <laughs> I pictured walking into Mod Pizza with Paul or something and Paul just being like completely thrown off about what was going on with everything yeah. And, yeah. And, uh, and sort of proud that I didn't have any issue eating Canadian bacon, you know, things like that, <laughs> that, that were kind of things going through my head. But yeah. yeah. All right, Jason. Oh round man, two. this I mean, one's pick tough. Two of round five. This is the last one. Yeah, I have, I have a lot of really good picks and I'm actually now deciding whether I want to flip flop my five and six, but, um, I guess I'm going to go ahead and go with my number five that I already have, which is uh, Solomon. Um, mm. So Solomon is, uh, you know, was presumably blessed with wisdom. And yet you read through uh, his story and he's not without, you know, boneheaded mistakes. <laughs> and mm. so, um, first of all, I like I, I like talking to. Uh, academics. I like cognitive exercises. I like, um, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of thinking through and talking through logistical problems or moral problems or ethical problems or um, uh, just just all sorts of thought exercises. And I think Solomon would be would be great for that. While at the same time, just kind of f- trying to suss out when when God blessed him with immense wisdom. Uh, what exactly did that mean? Because, again, there are many 
instances in the Bible where it really feels like he wasn't exercising wisdom. So was that deliberate kind of disobedience that he knew what the wise choice was and for whatever reason decided to go in a different direction or what? Mm. Um, and so that that just would be, um, you know, really interesting for me to, to sit with. Also, he's the king of Israel. And so, you know, they got great food again. Uh, this is, this is, this is a king of Israel. So I want to see what, what kind of food the king of Israel is serving to me. Yeah. If you can, if you can eat. Yeah. I mean, he was, had such riches as well. So yeah, if you're going back to eat with him. Yeah, man, that's that's going to be a good party. At that day and time, it's hard to to get a better meal than what you could get when dining with Solomon, in my opinion. Oh, Mm -hmm. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I like that. He was on my list. Um, all right, so here's my last one. I'm going with Joanna. Ooh, wow. wow. Joanna is from Luke 8 because we are told in Luke 8 that they're, the 12 are with him and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Uh, and so I wanted to have someone on my list who uh, we are told was cured of an evil spirit because that's a, a, just a big question I have about that language in Scripture. Uh, but then Joanna is one of those people, one of those women, who was the wife of Chusa, the, the manager of Herod's household. And so I would love to talk to her about that, what, what that looks like for the wife of Herod's, the wife of the manager of Herod's household to be following Jesus around um, and also supporting his ministry, which it says, Luke tells us after that, that these women were helping to support them. So just, just all of that, uh, how she came to know Jesus uh, why she decided to follow him, what, is, what it was like to have an evil spirit, what tension there might have been between being in Herod's household and, um, and following Jesus, especially if you follow that out to, you know, after Jesus' death and, um, and lots of questions. And I think there are so many women around Jesus in the New Testament that are, that are interesting uh, people that we really don't know anything about. And yet they seem to be such a vital part of his ministry. They're the ones who are kind of always there. They're the ones who are still there at and after the crucifixion. And, and so I wanted to be sure that I got one of those women on my list in addition to, to Mary. And so Joanna was the one that I thought would, would be the interesting one to go with. Awesome. I'm just, I'm just found... realizing that three of my names start with J, so that was unintentional. <laughs> you definitely it found is. the more obscure name. Um, I never realized that Joanna was actually one who had an evil spirit because I've read that before, but I didn't read it that Joanna is included in the group who had the evil spirits. I just included it and she was in the company of women with Jesus. So yeah, that adds another interesting spin on it for sure. You know, I think that kind of brings us to another kind of debate that we as modern Christians often have about passages in the Bible when it talks about evil spirits. You know, how do we how do we how are we to understand that i mean i don't know that it matters too terribly much theologically um but you know as someone who works in mental health you know i've always kind of wondered you know is that is that kind of a an ancient way of talking about mental health um and you know what what does an evil spirit look like then and how might we be able to understand that in modern parlance Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. That's, that's one of those endearing questions, in, enduring questions that, um, 
I, I would find fascinating. So maybe Joanna would provide some insight to that. All right. So we've got our lists. Yeah. So on, on a, another podcast, I listened to uh, the, account, the Incomparable podcast. They kind of talk about pop culture and stuff, and they do drafts all the time. And they call <laughs> this the bring out your dead round when you just, it, mm. you know, reference to Monty Python. <laughs> when, lightning, uh, lightning yeah, when you just kind of, these are the ones that I didn't pick but are still out there uh, yeah. for anybody. So, uh, Rachel, why don't you start us off okay. with your bring out the dead? So my other options were the Sons of Korah who saw their patriarch fall through the pit to the bottom of the earth oh, wow. <laughs> because of his rebellion against Moses. And so I would want to know, what was it like seeing your patriarch fail miserably um, to rebel against the leadership that God set up? And then what was the redemption story that allowed you and your family to be transformed, to become worship leaders and people who compose psalms of praise? Then I had Joseph. Um, how did your heart change toward your brothers and what advice can you give to youth about temptation and just tell us more about your story. And I had Bezalel from Exodus 31 who was the chief artisan making the temple or making the tabernacle and the ark of the covenant. And so I wanted to ask him, did you were you always artistically gifted or the Holy Spirit gave you that ability like right at that time specifically for making the temple and what did that look like were you being spoken to by the Holy Spirit or were you just following exactly what Moses had told you. Um, Rahab, what does it mean for you to be in the line of Jesus? What does it mean to you? And why did you decide to hide the spies? Because that always seems like almost unethical to me, but but she's rewarded for it. Um, and then Zipporah, um, how do you think your bold action to obey God's instruction changed the course of Israel's history? And um, what was it like being the wife of Moses? And then... Um, this is tying into your last one, Warren, is just like the unnamed followers of Jesus, the faithful people, the people who saw the miracles, the people who ate the bread, um, but we don't have their names in scripture. So just to know more of their stories and how their lives were changed by encountering Jesus. Great. Yeah, that's good. And maybe we can close out, Rachel, if you wanted, I think after we do this real quick, we can close out just by maybe looking at each of our list and kind of what, what we see there, what, um, and, and kind of do a very brief kind of, here's what I see in my list. This is interesting, whatever. So we can close out there. So um, you can be kind of looking over the, the, the names that you did, did pick, Rachel. Jason, your, yeah. your left off names. So my left off names. So the, the first two I'm going to mention. So I, I think the villains in Bible stories are often greatly misunderstood. <laughs> I think that there's a lot of, uh, you know, people, people do not consider themselves the villains of their own stories. And so I would want mm. to... Right to get more to the heart of who, who is the, what's the nobility of these people as much as they may be vilified in, in the stories that we read. And the first of those is Cain. Um, I think mm. there's a lot of reasons mm. to really have a problem with Cain. Um, but I, I really would like to uh, find out, you know, what, what's his perspective. Um, you know, also he, you know, brings food for a sacrifice. So there's gotta be a meal in there somewhere. Um, and and then the next one is uh, the wife of of Potiphar uh, from the story of Joseph and how she seduces or attempts to seduce uh, Joseph and and then has you know essentially is the reason why he's thrown in 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 prison and uh, you know I maybe it's because I'm a couples therapist and I work a lot with couples you know uh, and I work a lot with 
with people who have, um, you know, had affairs and, you know, what, what was really missing in her life that she felt like Joseph was the answer to that. Um, and so I don't know, I've, I've just found, found her to be an interesting person. Um, and then my, my next one would be, uh, Philemon. Um, so Paul writes to Philemon and, um, and I don't know, the tone of Paul's letter to Philemon is very different from most of the other letters. Uh, there is a, a reverence um, where Paul seems to be being, uh, he seems to be very much more diplomatic in that letter than he does in many of his other letters. He's he's appealing to Philemon to, uh, to, to welcome back um, uh, Theophilus, I believe is his name, uh, welcome him back and just be you know, gracious and, and, and loving towards him when he might not otherwise be. And so there's, there's a lot to his character and, and who he is that we just don't know. Um, and I thought about including David. I ended up not including David on my list just because, I don't know, uh, he seems, he seems less interesting to me in many ways than Solomon and also Saul, the first king of Israel. Uh, you know, Saul was chosen by God at the demands of the people. Um, but then Saul's life takes a turn and he turns away from God. And um, it's it's kind of a breaking bad kind of sort of story in my mind. And I think that would be very interesting to to talk with him about. Also, I think like Peter, he probably would not be lacking in conversation. He probably wouldn't be just sitting there you know, waiting for things to happen, quietly eating his meal. My guess is that Saul's got a lot to say and he would be a great conversationalist. Saul would also be bringing the evil spirit aspect of yeah. things because it, it does sound like Saul's issue is depression. Like I, don't, yes. I think in the New Testament, you get some different stuff. But yeah, so with Saul, it may depend on what day you catch him. Yeah, as that's far right. As, as how talkative he yeah, is. That's right. But uh, yeah, I had David on my I did have Solomon above David on my list, but I had Abraham and David. The other Old Testament name that I had was Samson. Uh, I think he would be an interesting one to to talk to for a while. Um, in the New Testament, then I had Luke. Um, Lazarus was one I had, mm. which I had almost mm. considered Lazarus as my first pick just because he'd been dead for three days, and that would be an interesting conversation mm. to have. Um, the man in Mark 5 who lived out oh, in the yes. tombs and had impure okay. spirits, he was one that I had on mind, as mm. was the man born blind in John 9, because that guy goes through this amazing transformation in one chapter, not only mm -hmm. from being blind, but from saying, I don't know who Jesus is, to basically taking on the Pharisees about who Jesus is, yeah. Yeah. and ends up getting thrown out of the synagogue at the end of it. Um, Mary Magdalene is another lady, another one of the women from Luke 8, who is also one of the first ones to see Jesus after his resurrection. So I thought she would be interesting. And then I had Mary, Martha's sister. So I had Mary above Martha in, in my, on my draft board. So, but Jason went, went to Martha. I can understand so. why. It's just the, you know, Martha's cooking got to me. So what yeah, can I no, say? I get it. I get it. It makes sense. If, if that's a good tiebreaker, food, food for the tiebreaker. All right, well, we, we've kind of got to wrap this up, but I did, if we can take just real lightning round, a couple of observations from each of our lists. And so I'll kind of start that by saying, so my list was Mary, mother of Jesus, Jonah, Paul, Judas, and Joanna. And a couple of things that I thought were, one, there was only one Old Testament name. I hadn't, I'd, I'd kind of wanted to even it out a little more. 
but also I think my list ended up much more story driven than theology driven, mm -hmm. which I thought was interesting mm. that there is theology there. There's questions that we could get into certainly, but, but I ended up, I think being drawn more to the stories, which is, um, telling for, for many reasons I probably think. Mm. I think, Warren, also your list, you were highly interested in the supernatural, the miracles, the, the demons, the healings, the being raised from the dead and things. So, Or maybe that was also your, your honorable mentions, too. Um, mine, I think I chose people that had a close encounter with God, um, who, who knew the Lord. So Eve, like before mm. sin, and Hagar, she named God a personal name. Moses, obviously, was walking super close with God, and then John's... Um, close relationship with Jesus. So I think that was my driving factor was people who had a really close relationship with God. And then I also wanted to highlight some women and um, get their get their thoughts on <laughs> what it was like living then. Yeah. Well, aside from the fact that mine definitely all connect to food, although Hosea definitely doesn't, that that's probably the outlier when it comes to food on my list. I had Peter. <laughs> I, yeah, I had Peter, Martha, Hosea, uh, Esther and Solomon. And um, I think the the unifying theme are people who have very unique perspectives throughout the Bible, that each one of them um, are either e at the very least presented in such a way, or maybe actually may have a, uh, a perspective unlike anybody else in the Bible. Um, you know, so from the ministry of Peter to you know the the personal relationship that Martha had with uh, with Jesus, you know Hosea's struggles with the nation of Israel, um, Esther's exile and rise to to become queen, and the way she she advocated for her people, and then Solomon just you know being the king king of Israel and and very unique in in everything that um, you know that that he does in in his story. You know I think just very unique perspectives that uh, that are very different from I think what we typically think of as Bible characters or or individuals from from biblical stories well this was this was a fun exercise uh, I'm glad that we did it I think it it does reveal I think it the 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 fun and benefit of it I think is it it, it sort of reveals questions that we have about scripture and and things that we would like to know and, and gets us to thinking about some of those things in maybe a unique way so so you can come up with your own list of five at home or whatever you want to do. Have a draft party with your family at home if you're looking for something to do <laughs> in the pandemic season. Yeah. Um, and thank you for, for doing this today with me, uh, Rachel and Jason. This was, this was fun. And I'm going to close us out in a prayer and we'll wrap up for today. Our Father in heaven, we're grateful for your grace, for your love, and your mercy. Uh, help us to be people who are consistently seeking to commune uh, with those around us and to share stories of your grace and your love. Uh, and help us to be salt and light in our lives today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.